and welcome to the Steam Power Podcast. Live in the downtown Southern Maryland, it's time for Steam Power Podcast episode number 81. 81, yep. Second of April 2017. We're a bi weekly podcast. Get it, get it to I don't think we can call latest. ourselves bi weekly yeah. anymore. The latest and greatest. We're the occasional blog <laughs> podcast. Yes, there you go. Bringing you the semi latest, greatest in news on so science, technology, engineering, art, and math. I'm Mike. I'm Lisa. It's time to get steamy. Yeah, I don't know what we can do anymore. <laughs> Gears of Resistance is cranking away on my computer right now. It's cranking. Cause that's a video one. We're doing oh, just audio on this yeah. thing now, right? Yes. All right. Let me do a radio check. Go ahead and talk to me real quick. Hello. Something more sultry. Hello. There you go. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Well, so we're trying in a brand new way. Basically, we're not using a computer anymore to record. We're taking our, our audio and putting it into a uh, Tascam DR40 lockbox. <laughs> Uh, audio recorder so that we can do this more mobile and today's test case to see how this works i'm sure it's going to go down in a blaze of glory because that's just what happens when you try something new all right so in the interest of getting our daughter uh dinner here soon we're yep. going to go ahead and get through this real fast yep i uh, think that flows better anyway because yeah. i thought last time we did better when we uh just kind of crank through it instead of blah 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 blah, blah. yeah all right yeah. so let's get into our first we're gonna go through, we're gonna do this in the steam order so we're gonna start with the science okay uh the Sounds science good. article for this week is space poop challenge winners come clean on victory courtesy of space.com so nasa uh you know one of the things about you know going out into space is going to be a lot of issues of you know having resources you know food water mm-hmm. oxygen but that's also humans are uh, we make poop and pee and we got to yeah. do something with that, right? True. You got you got to. So um, you know, part of this as as NASA's you know we're thinking about a moon colony, then going to Mars. Um, you know, so one of the problems that was like, what do we do with the wastes? Right. That was one of the design yeah. challenges. So basically, NASA went out and said, "Hey, let's have a competition, and we're going to give uh, fifteen thousand dollars." Was it fifteen thousand dollars? Fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you come up with an idea that we think could be viable, yeah. You know, the issue with all this stuff is a lot of stuff is if you come up with very theoretical stuff. It's is it practical to be built? And yes, used. that's what the I think the um, first and second place winners said they were more concerned about skin care and infections than about the actual practicality of moving the waste. Right. So. The, so, so the winner of um, is uh, he's he, well, Air he has, Force Colonel. He's an Air Force Colonel, so he has a little, and, and he is the commander of the forty seventh Medical Group at Laughlin <laughs> Air Force Base. So he, he has, has experience, yeah. Because Air Force guys, they fly an for ass you up, know, so exactly. Speak. <laughs> I mean, you know, Air Force pilots they fly long distance hauls, right? So they're yes. So he's used to dealing with you know the idea of hey i'm a pilot i'm sitting in a cockpit for 12 14 20 hours i got to do kick care business what do i do with it so um basically the the winner again he yes he's air force colonel uh what was his name factor carden 
Colonel Carden. Yeah, um, I think so. For his maces, uh, you can tell he's a military guy because this thing includes a uh, an acronym within an acronym. It's the Maces Perennial Access and Toileting System. They all do. I think that M-Pats. was. Um, I think that was actually a requirement of the NASA contest. Was that it? Was that it be an acronym for the government? Because every last one of them is some sort of an acronym. So, so the designs haven't been released yet because they're doing all the legal paperwork. Um, but yeah, like you said his, yeah. his concern is wherever you end up having the waste, it's really about the skin and whether or not he gets infected or irritated. That was his quote. Yes. Um, and the second place winners, which were doctors, I think it yes. said. Yep. They were concerned about the same thing, infections and irritation. They had a cooler name, though. There was Spuds. Spuds, yeah. <laughs> Space Poop Unification of Doctors. So anyway. I love that one. Um, uh, we'll link to the article. But yeah, I mean, it's good to see that, you know, because think about it, the way we used to do business with government contracting, right? Say, say that we, NASA, the government, had this issue. We would go out and spend untold millions of dollars to some contractor to solve this, right? And we may not get the great, we didn't even get the best system. Whereas to do a competition, spend $15,000? Yeah. Boom. Pretty I'm waiting deal. for some scientists to mess with evolution and allow our bodies to create less waste and things like that. You want to tinker with the genetic. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. My brain works a little differently. Let's move to <laughs> the technology story. So, uh, 260, this has happened about a week or two ago now, but I thought it was really worth it because one of our missions here is to advocate for digital rights of people. And uh, the story is 265 members of Congress. This, this affects really the United States. Um, God bless those little Congress critters. They sold you out to your internet service providers. So, oh, basically, imagine um, that. Your search history, your everything that you do that you get on the internet, uh-huh. you connect to a modem, yes. right? And then you're dumped out at, at a, your internet service provider. Yes. Well, guess what they can do now? They can take all that data and they can sell it to marketers. Say, hey, this is where – this is the Parks family. Wait, this is all who these websites. can sell it to marketers? The internet service provider. Metrocast. Okay, case. okay. Comcast. So Metrocast for okay, okay. Canal Comcast, take, Verizon, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can take, your, can take your search history and sell it to marketers. Now I'm assuming they're going to anonymize it, right? It's going to be like, here's a family that has four people, four and a half, you know, four and a half people live in this house. This they are a Caucasian family with. Uh, three cars, two you know, two dogs. Um, so it'll be quoting. I'm sure it'll be anonymized. They won't. The marketer's not going to get. It's the Parks family, but maybe they will, which is even. I was going to say what 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 good does it really do them without the contact? Anonymous, no, because that's how it works today. With a lot of stuff really? today, because all that really matters is that you know that it, it is the demographic information is more important. You know, this race. So this just having this that gender. many of potential users right. is we know more that important to their exactly distributors and okay, knowing founders that and things. Okay, I got on you. average, right? It, you know, I got and, you. and what you search for. So when you add that together, so I mean, in some ways, is there any way to hide that? Well, that's the thing. I think you. I think that's what's going to be coming out is, is, you know, the devil's in the details, right? I mean, like say though, say though you're a private person and this act just came out or whatever. Is there any way for you as a computer engineer to 
sort of hide or dump your right. data before so, it gets sent to the internet service provider so that it may not get sent out. So, so yes, yes. Well, no. So remember at the end of the day, mm-hmm. your data is going through your ISP, right? Yes. What you can do is you, you can, you can buy, you can use a service called a VPN, a virtual mm-hmm. private network. Basically you build a tunnel around your data and you're, while it's still going to go through your ISP's wires, the tube yeah. of the internet, quote unquote, um, they can't see what's inside that VPN connection. It's like a secure connection. So now mm-hmm. they are not seeing – now, that's not stopping that the VPN client that you're using, mm-hmm. they could also then be the ones and then take your data because at, at the end no, of the that's day – a good point. At yeah. the end of the day, your data has to come out of some security somewhere where people see yes. know where to send the request to the – So at the end of the day, someone – Could potentially. Yes. Okay. I see what you're saying. Um, and again, this, yeah. this this rule. There's no way to completely protect it. Right. So what happened was. What was that little noise, by the way? I don't know. Okay. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't the thing. Saying you're out of. Di- out of yeah. No, we're still recording, <laughs> I think. Um, you know, so in the last administration, uh, the Obama administration, the FCC made a bunch of rules, right? So the, the Federal Communications Commission can make rules that says no. And so being obviously a more liberal uh, administration, they put a lot of privacy st- rules into place that mm-hmm. uh, in theory, the idea is it hurt businesses. Now that we have a more business-friendly administration, um, because the FCC, I mean, the FCC can create rules but they're not creating laws, right? So Congress can come in over top and say, no, 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 we disagree with the rule you created. And basically that's what happened. Congress said, Okay, Mr. FCC, we hear what you did, but we're Congress, we're above you. You're not going to, you're going to basically allow businesses to have the opportunity to sell this information to marketers. Now, the question will be like we're seeing here lately with, you know, Bill O'Reilly and the Fox News and all that stuff is money talks, right? So if people say, hey, you know what? Fine, F, screw you. The issue is. That think about this. We only have Metrocast down here. There is no true competition yeah, there's, exactly. when it comes to home broadband <laughs> no in the United States. No true competition. There's no competition no, at all. Yeah, right? down here there's So no that's place. going to be the issue is that, fine, if you want this rule, you need to have competition so that people can have the right to choose. We'll see if that comes out of this. I don't know. But that's just – just be know that if Our you commissioners call, say, call, call the FCC, call your Congress creditor and tell them that you really don't like this stupid rule. Do you really think that does anything at the end yeah, of the I day? Yeah, I do. You do? Mm-hmm. It just it takes it takes a massive concerted effort. It's not it it, it yes. Yeah, that I'll give it, yeah. does, it does a work. massive concerted effort, yes, but I don't know. I just cannot imagine being the old curmudgeon that just calls their congressperson every day and right. says, I don't like this. Yeah, I don't like true. that. I don't like this. <laughs> All right. I've said my piece, I've said my rant. Yeah. Let's go on to the next one here. The next one is what policymakers flying. So that's our engineering one. Yes. Uh, is that the one about? You can open that one and fly, give your oh, opinion on that. Yes. So basically, I didn't get to put the uh, entire thing on it. In other words, what they're saying is they know that artificial intelligence and robots are going to play a big part in the workforce, but there are no studies to date that have accurately been able to predict or represent the impact that that's going to have on us yet. 
Right. There's been a lot of these, you know, one or two studies looking at very small things. Yes. Uh, a lot of them privately. And driven. even those they say are not necessarily indicative of what is going to take place because it's such a new um, field and it's such a new set of circumstances right. that they cannot tailor any studies to accurately make a guess on how it's going to affect our, us as a right. working public. And it's not just so much – and it's not a question. We, I think we, we've – the companies and the private you know, academic institutions, everyone has studied what's going to happen. Everybody, yes. everybody agrees that it's, – Yes. It's not the fact that what's going to happen. It's, it's how, how it's going to affect us. Well, and how do we respond, right? Yes, exactly. So here, here's the long story short. How can short. we still – make ourselves useful in a society right. that is going to use more and more artificial intelligence. Right. So the, here's the, so the bottom, let's back up real quick. By the mid 2030s, it's estimated that half to like six, I've seen half to like 68% of the jobs in the United States will be replaced by artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and or robots. So yes. there's two separate things here. There's AI, there's robots, and then there's robots that have AI. So there's these, you know, because you can have just dumb robots that used to like factories today. You can have artificial intelligence that like sits in the cloud, sits in the server, think mm -hmm. Siri, but really smart. Yes. Um, and then you can have robots that have both, right? Yes. So the idea is instead of high, you know, you pay a salary, you got to pay insurance, you got to pay all these things. Whereas if you buy, if you buy out, buy a robot outright, it's a one-time sunk fixed cost. Mm -hmm. Boom. Now it goes off. AI is even more yes. worse because, or more, more worse is worse because <laughs> it's, think worse, about, sir. think about it. When you go today, you sign up on a, on a cloud service and you, but you, you know, you buy uh, Google Gmail, you buy Outlook Office 365. Well, eventually you'll be able to buy artificial intelligence for four ninety nine a month to do whatever, you know, yeah, ta your tax you accountant yep. or mm -hmm. whatever. So what happens when Mr. Tax Accountant now is, is, is a voice in the how cloud? How does he feed his family? Yes. How yes. does the human, yes. right? How does the how human? How do we respond right. as a human race to make ourselves useful right. In society 2.0, right? Because yeah. Elon Musk, you know, Elon Musk, you know, SpaceX and Solar City and all those, you know, he he believes that we're going to eventually see um, a guaranteed minimum wage in the in, in this country that everyone, no mm -hmm. matter what, the government will give you twenty five thousand dollars a year. Everyone everyone gets a guaranteed a minimum, minimum salary, salary you mean? Okay, right, to okay. live off of. Okay, then. You know, to just to be able, basically, to provide for the basic necessities of life, food, shelter. Which, in a way, we have something similar to that now because there's what we call the, um, you know, the threshold, the uh, wage threshold. Minimum where, wage. Yes, you fall. Well, no, it's it's the salary threshold where if you're a family of four. Uh, if you don't make X amount of money per year, you fall below oh, that. Oh, poverty thresholds? Or... Yes. Then you are um, eligible for government assistance. You're eligible for housing assistance. So in a way, we have not a, we have a similar right. setup now. It is not a minimum salary that you're guaranteed so that we could say, hey, we're not going to provide 
all these government services anymore. Instead, we're going to guarantee that you can make, because then what's going to happen is all of the companies and businesses are going to jack up what they charge for electricity, what they charge for different services. And then that minimum salary doesn't matter. Exactly. So it goes back to your point is how it's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle, especially not Congress and not the administration is thinking about, all right, and, and, and this is not just a U.S. problem. This is going to be a global, worldwide problem. Is how do we as a society deal with the fact that humans don't need to be employed? Like the idea is what happens in a post-employee job world where, where humans won't have to gain either their basic standard of living or their – you know, their, their life's ambitions through a job, you know, are we, what happens if we live in a world where everyone just chase their artistic dreams because yeah. the basic living is provided for, which actually is good because that leads in, us into another future. I mean, and that's, you know, in a way that's sort of the way that say like a militaristic state works where, you give yourselves to your government and your government provides right. for your housing, your food, your this, And I think that's why a lot of people are scared about it. You so know. The question really is, it's not just a government thing. It's, it's how does society restructure itself? You know, and we've done this before. It's, it's not like humanity has never dealt with this. You know, there used to be, you know, used to be the feudal system and serfdoms where yes. everyone lived and served their local feudal Lord, right. Who then worked for the King. And, but your, your basic, your subsistence of life, derived from your working on yep. the, the you know your few so humanity has has had to deal with this changing idea of of how to we society have that darn historical you know history i know brutal. and we've done it we're successful <laughs> it's just we have to do it again and that's that's what's yes. scary is change is scary but that's i mean that's just the nature of the human race we're constantly reinventing ourselves right. we're constantly reinventing our world we're constantly reinventing the way we live in it we're reinventing ourselves so and in the short term that leads us to our next story actually real yes quick. so to get there to bridge that right the question that for our art story of the week is do painters deserve a tax deduction yes plan? and actually i found this interesting because apparently nixon is the one who um up until the 1970s. Up in, yes, up until ni- – yes, 1970 actually. Um, they were allowed to say like if a painter donated a piece of art to a museum, they were allowed to deduct the market value of that piece of art from their tax return. Market value, not the cost to manufacture, right? Well, nowadays, after 1970, because Richard Nixon, um, you know, had a couple of issues with, um, you know, legally abiding by that. Nowadays, if they donate a piece of art to... People were... grossly inflating with the, the the fair market value of well their- no nowadays if they if a painter if the artist donates their own art to a museum they are only allowed to deduct the cost of materials if a person buys a piece of art 
from that per- from that painter and they donate it to a museum they are allowed to deduct the fair market value of the art interesting yes so what they're saying now apparently after that law was enacted or whatever the donations to museums worldwide dr- drastically fell off and now what's happening is private collectors are buying up artwork, song, and this this just doesn't apply to say we think of like artists and painters and things. This is songwriters. This is you know anyone who anyone who has an artistic gift, right? That they're you know giving the world in any sort of sense. What's happening is private collectors are buying the art up and. It's not going to American museums. It's either staying in private collections or it's getting sold back and forth to different collectors. And now they're they're just concerned that the public isn't getting um, you know, it it's the culture right. of it. Society. So, I mean, well, yes, we're we're missing out on, you know, these these gifts to society because they're being snapped up by so it comes to the right the fundamental issue is like patent and copyright laws yes right? and artists can't afford to just donate their work to a museum they have to sell it they have to make a living too right. so so and this is it's a reflection of the issue that we've we, we've we've kind of corrupted everyone is so um you know pro free market pro capitalism that people forget like the rules of so patents why do why do you get a patent right the idea is the government protects you for 20 years to say hey you have exclusive rights to this technology for 20 years mm-hmm. that's good for the inventor and the theory was that, that encourages people to to risk inventing because they're they're guaranteed some sort of sort of security to to make back they're guaranteed right. some sort but of at the end some of that, sort of give but, back and, right? yeah but at the end of that twenty years what happens the patent expires and now society gets the benefit from the work because now the government's benefit is now we can give to society now anybody can take that that technology and build it into their own products and drive down costs so that things it's what's happening with three D printers in the last year. 3D printers were invented in the the late 80s, right? Some of the earlier ones. Why is it only 20 years later that they finally started to see all this because yes. the patents finally expired? And people, so here's my point is people forget that these protections we give inventors and artists, patents and copyrights, give them 20 years of, of being able to make stuff for free. But then you see these like the Beatles are trying to negotiate extensions to the copyrights. Mm-hmm. What we forget is – the benefit of having – it's a, it's a negotiation. The inventor, the artist does get benefit for a certain time, but then it goes back to where the patent expires or the, the, the artwork enters public domain is because society has to get a benefit. If we're going to give you 20 years of freedom of, or 10 or 15, whatever it is with the copyright, then we have to – society has to benefit on the, on the back end. And so the problem is people are becoming selfish and they're like, nope, nope. I want to, I want to keep extending copyrights. I want to keep ex- – because people, well, people forget – there's and I think that's a separate issue. That's but sort it goes of a back, separate issue. But it goes back to what your point was, the artwork, right? If it's being sucked up into private collections and, yes. and society never sees this work of art. Yes. You know, this is – it's about protecting the human aspects of – Yes, the that's technology true. and laws associated that pr- are meant to 
be a balance between protecting and, and providing for the human spirit, right? That's true. And I mean, I think, I think the difference between what you're saying and what this, you know, tax law is saying is that most artists would generally choose to sell their work anyway because they make more money that way. However, if they were allowed to deduct the fair market value of their work, there would be more propensity to donate some of their more. Work, right. Yes. Right. There, yes. Thus but right now society as a whole, there's no way you can compare selling right. a piece of art to don't to um, donating it and then just deducting the cost of materials because, and this goes back it's, to, you know, pennies compared to thousands of dollars in most cases. And it goes to the engineering story of, if, as robots and AI becomes real and prevalent and takes away human jobs, the mechanical, dangerous, repeatable jobs, and now humans are free to have more time to do artistic pleasures. Mm-hmm. This is, so that's the thread that's connecting this, right? Is is the world's changing? People are going to have the idea of a vocation of profession is going to go away, and it, what replaces it? How does how does society function when? The main driving is not the economic grind of going to work, making something, delivering. It's people are now free to do whatever they want to explore artistically, perhaps. I mean, I'm saying, yeah, because this is what's not everyone happen, has artistic one, gifts. I mean, that's, this is one potential path. But there could yeah. be, the point is, there would be more than there is today. Like, if sure. I could quit my day job because I had a guaranteed basic living and health care was provided. Except you're I would guaranteed. Be, more ri- be willing to take risk in pursuing artistic or other pursuits. You may be, pursuits. but you're, I mean, like I said, we kind of have that in place today in a sense of, you know, there are programs that will assist you if your family does not meet the you know poverty threshold so what would happen in that case is that you're gonna have okay we'll take you know there's a guaranteed salary and you'll be okay you'll have a house living but you're still not gonna have as nice a house or as much of whatever someone else has who is working and getting a little more for their thing instead of just sitting there saying, I want to explore my art. I I mean, that's like a kid graduating from college and saying, I want to take a year off to backpack in Europe and, you know, I want to paint and see where it goes or I want to this and see where it goes as opposed to going out in the workforce and getting a job. It's, it's the same, you know, same sort of comparison. I, my, the, what I, I relate it to in this is, is there's a great line in, in the Star Trek movie called Star Trek First Contact where the crew of the Enterprise goes back in time to right before humanity launches their first warp ship, right? The idea of the science mm-hmm. fiction. And, you know, basically they, the first warp ship was this reused nuclear missile, right? So it's really tiny, really small. 
and they bring the girl from the in, in the show it's like the late 2060s right yeah and so they bring her on board the enterprise this massive starship and she looks at like it took me months and years to acquire enough materials to buy what we did for our little ship how much did this thing cost you and, and captain picard is he's escorting her through the ships like economics of the 20 24th century are a little different yeah so the idea was they didn't like we would say it costs us 50, you know 15 billion dollars to build mm-hmm. an aircraft carrier the idea is that society and humanity had evolved by the 24th century to where things aren't driven by money there's a different economic system in place that allows people to live a good healthy life and we can still create these wonders of a spaceship that can explore the stars it's not tied mm-hmm. to this money thing so my point is i we have i I don't think any of us. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it because we live in such a capitalistic society. The last two hundred years, yeah, we can't even fathom what is a post exactly. Yes, society. That's (laughs) I agree. I we can't even fathom that. I agree. But bottom line, the original question: Do you think that uh, artists should be able to deduct their uh, uh, the fair market value for their art? I definitely think. There needs to be some sort of addendum that allows them to deduct more than just their materials. Okay, I agree. Especially if people do the buy. I'm not sure about fair market value because how do we determine that art? Because the fair market value of art is very no more than what someone wants to pay for it. Correct. So and there's because there's no there's no competition. There's no way to judge. I'm thinking that maybe, you know, there should be some sort of a set amount or something based on the um, material okay. or whatever. You know that I, honestly, I don't have the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't. But it, I agree that it does seem like. We are moving away. But in the age of the internet, do we really need the modern-day museum? That's a good question. You I just mean, throw on your Google Glass. Exactly. Do we, really need, do we really need to walk around the Smithsonian and see things when we can just click through our computer and private collectors can post a picture? We can see a picture that the artist posts on the internet for free. And, you know, what advantage do we get by actually going through the National Gallery of Art and viewing a Picasso with our own eyes versus viewing it online? You know, what what advantage do we get? I don't know. But I we'll think leave that's that to the audience. Too. Exactly. That's that's a really good I think conceptual question because I think the advantage is that we get to see that it is actually a work of art in the fact that we can see the materials with our own eyes and we can see that someone did take the time to create that someone did have the gift to create that but at the same time online we can see the actual artwork as a summation of what it stands for so i think it's it's 
kind of an apples and oranges thing. Speaking of summations, let's talk about math news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you found a good story um, from Quanta Quantum Magazine. Yep. Quanta Quanta Magazine. A long-sought proof found and almost lost. A German retiree has proved a long-standing mathematical conjecture while brushing his teeth. So did I find that story? I think you found that story. Maybe I did. Thomas Royen, a little-known German statistician, suddenly lit up the world of math when he of the the proof of a famous conjecture that sits at the intersection of geometry, probability theory, and statistics that had eluded top experts for decades. Now. Being that I'm not a mathematical Yeah, this is guy, what blows my mind about math because right? I was like, they are constantly coming up with new formulas for this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, why are they changing? You know, like, what? It, I don't, I can't even conceptually wrap my head around the analytical right. brain that it must take to come up with that sort of thing so well, that's why next time you talk to adam you can ask him i that. will but in the interim <laughs> um once i read this mathematical article and said hey i i still don't know what he'd solved yeah i went to our favorite ifl science i friggin love science.com mm-hmm. uh where uh mr tom hale wrote an article about it making it uh non-mathematical friendly so basically okay. uh the the german mr uh, thomas royan uh, came up with a proof for what's called the gaussian correlation inequality mm-hmm. now here's what mr hales explains it for us uh layman says basically imagine you're throwing darts at a target made up of two convex symmetrical shapes that are centered <laughs> at the same point <laughs> They Basically, think like a curve, like a bell whatever. curve. Think yeah, a bell I curve, see. right? Okay. <laughs> Why would you be doing that? But okay. More simply put, um, a target made up of a rectangle with a circular cutout laid over the top of it. Okay. The yeah, number I of darts you. that hits the circle, rectangle, or both will appear in a normal bell curve distribution known as the Gaussian position, with the majority of the darts hitting the overlapping section so where there's both the circle and the square okay overlap yeah cgi says the probability of a dart hitting the overlap is always equal to or higher than the individual probability of landing inside the rectangle multiplied by the individual probability oh, of landing honey, inside the circle this makes sense <laughs> but it has been proven to basically there's a i like that, i that freaking events, love science but uh i freaking hate math yes. so they've still so basically, lost me for, for those events where the probabilities, like I could hit the circle, I could hit the, the rectangle, or I would hit both, basically the the the, the propensity is that you're going to do both. Mm-hmm. That fa- and so anything he's using here, he's using throwing darts as the example. Okay, but so what did this anything, guy figure out? He proved the, the proof that shows why that is true, that the probabilities you're going to hit And he both did that while brushing his while teeth. While brushing his teeth. The greatest inventions, <laughs> the greatest minds. When you're in the bathroom, man, I, my well, great my great idea is coming. I'm in the bathroom. Well, so but we will share the link. So we'll we'll share the link to both the the, the mathematical article and we'll send we'll share the article to the <laughs> yeah. IF and Love Science. So that way, depending on your you know, it's choose your own adventure. If you're at, if you know Matthew for our brother, if you're if we're your brother, yeah. uh, he can read that one. And if he's like us, he can read. If you're like us, you can read the non. <laughs> yeah, we'll do both. So that's it. That's the math story. Yep, and that's we'll it. We'll leave it at that. So we're gonna end it there. Um, I think we're even. We're still at like probably over half, half an hour. hour. We're half an hour. Yeah. So um, 
I'm, like I said, I'm rendering out a new episode of the Gears of Resistance right now. I'm talking about the other mill and my workflow for using the other mill to mill a circuit board, mm-hmm. PCB. So you, if you're interested in how to use the other machine, other mill pro to make a circuit how board. How to use the other, other mill? Well, see, other is the company's other machine company mm-hmm. makes the other mill pro that uses the other so plan the, software. It's the other company, other machine company. that uses the other machine that makes the other mill pro, the other machine that runs okay. off the other plan software. So it's like other it's to the fourth power. I, bottom line, spoiler alert: it's freaking amazing. I'll just say that. <laughs> Uh, and then we also uh, Haley and I went to Hobby Lobby today, and I have a little vignette of walking oh my through there. Goodness, okay. And I'll give you my review of Hobby Lobby, so you can go check that on Gears of Resistance too. Wait, of our Hobby Lobby or of, of our Hobby Lobby of our Hobby Lobby, the one that's here in Southern Maryland. I can only judge that one because that's the only one I've seen. You've been to the one in Waldorf. I've been to one other one, but first of all, it's been years, so I'm judging what it is today. Maybe that's AC Moore. I can't. There's so many different. You know, there's Michaels, there's AC Moore, there's Hobby Lobby, there's. Well, down I here mean, we now have three, right? My we have Joanne's. Yeah, Joanne's. I forgot Joanne's, that. Joanne's, Michaels, yeah. and Hobby Lobby now. Yeah. So and for the maker Waldorf people, has AC Moore. And yes, Waldorf has an AC Moore. Yeah. Anyway, so if you're interested in hearing that, check that out. Um, and then, uh, but both of them, like I said, we're over at gearsresistance.com. Steam Power Podcast will forward you to Gears of Resistance. Just you can toggle on which shows you want to look for. If you want to look for Gears of Resistance, you can hit on that button. If you want to look at Steam Power Podcast episodes, you can hit or those listen to. or listen to. Yes. Yeah. You can watch Gears of Resistance or you can listen to Steam Power yes. Podcast. We try to make it both for everybody. <laughs> uh, anyway, so all right. you got anything else? Nope. You good? All right. Let's go get I'm some good. dinner then. So with that, thank you all very much for listening. And until next time, stay quirky.